how are you doing today? Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Comedians Exposed, the podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability. I'm your host, Deanna Kobe, and today we have a wonderful guest. He produces the comedy events at Dojo Comedy East. He's the producer of comedy events at Dinellan Theater. He's host of live stream comedy. Please welcome to Comedians Exposed, Clint Esposito. That's the best intro I've ever gotten, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you could be here, Clint. You're wonderful. And I'm so proud of you. Like, just like seeing all the stuff you're creating and how much you are like putting the grind in for comedy. I'm so grateful that you could take time to be with um, here today with me to talk about how comedy makes you vulnerable. <laughs> no problem. I'm glad that uh, I appreciate you uh, considering to have me on. I don't get on a lot of other people's stuff, so it's good to get asked. It's, oh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I, I always appreciate when people agree to, because I know it gets weird. We get emotional on this podcast. You know, I try to really dive into what makes people's buttholes clench up. So uh, sometimes that gets a little bit uncomfortable. We're going to talk more about that. But before we do, can you just, uh, tell everybody where they could find you on social media. Uh, everything's either livestreamcomedy.com. So basically all the shows and we do live stream shows. Um, so everything's on there or me personally is just Clint Esposito on my websites, clintesposito.com. My Instagram's Clint Esposito, Twitter. So, and as far as I know, I'm the only Clint Esposito. So that makes it fairly uh, easy. Yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because I know there's some doppelgangers out there for other people. So, uh. yeah, I'm not a uh, Joe Smith, you know, so it's good. <laughs> I guess there's got to be benefits, though, to being able to like think about all the crimes you probably commit. And then it's like having a job interview, Google search, a thousand Joe Smiths, we don't know which one. Let's yeah, I guess you could just go under a false identity if you wanted to do that. Yeah, I don't know. That seems even more common. Have you seen that movie? You want to talk about vulnerable? Have you seen that movie, uh, The Tinder Swindler? I have not, but I want just watched it last night. Watch I that. You're going to be like, I, I was reading about it, about how I guess this guy, he swindled millions of dollars out of these women from Tinder. Still is. Still is. He's not in jail. He's still swindling. I don't know. I feel like, though, I could relate to the women because I've definitely been swindled for sure, you know. Uh, us women, sometimes we, you know, really just go for the, oh, we can fix you. We can make you better. So this... Well, watch it. He's got a good scheme going on. And it was after... <laughs> Like he seems like he has money. So yeah. you hang out with him for a while and then he's like, I need money. And then you're like, oh, this guy's fucking rich as fuck. So then you give him the money and then he's not really rich. Oh, bastard. But <laughs> I want to go back to, because you brought this up as your connection to vulnerability. So where was that? How was well, that I'm just saying that was like the way that it's shot. These women that are trying to expose him just to get his face out there so that other people don't get swindled. They basically lay out the whole thing and how the one, the a couple of the girls thought they were dating him and he was totally full on. Like, I love you. I want to have babies with you. So that's why just in my head, I was like, those women like put out all this information and they're messaging back and forth with them to show like what he was doing. Yeah. Then some other woman that was like, dating him uh that was giving him money found one of the articles i'm kind of blowing the story found <laughs> one of the articles and read through and was like i got the exact same messages but my point is that like he gets them to think to care about him and like open up and that's yeah. how he pulls this whole friggin' thing so do you think then those women were i think that's what you're doing with this i think you're no <laughs> I actually that is true i am trying to get you to open up because at the end of it i'm going to ask you to make a donation to a <laughs> exactly for a charitable fund uh, me um oh okay so that's interesting your i was wondering if there was a connection for you about no. like being vulnerability in these women you know what i mean because being in love for some people is an area like falling in love new relationships um is an yeah. area of vulnerability but what about for you what does vulnerability mean to you? Um, 
I think probably just letting your guard down and being who you actually are, right? Is that not what it is? I mean, I feel like most people pretend there's somebody else or put up a front because of their actual insecurities. So what right? about your, do you, I, I, listen, this is completely your definition. I think that, well, for me, um, I think I'm quiet because I am probably more emotional and than people think. And I don't like putting that out there. So I kind of hide my feelings for sure. So um, I think <clears throat> people take that wrong. People read me wrong because I'm quiet, because I don't want to lay my cards out. And I like to take in whatever happens. I like to try to take it in and process it before I react, because a lot of times your first reaction is not good. So, and I know that, so I'm like, okay, let me just process and figure out exactly uh, how I should. I think initially when you read stuff with emotion, um, you can go off on a, you know, think something that's not real, right? So then you got to sit there and break it down and be like, okay, let's break this down rationally and not think with our emotions. Well, it's hard to do. I think that's a challenging thing, you know, for a lot of people because, you know what I mean? Especially to you think about how emotion becomes trapped within us and then with the brain biology, all of that playing out. So you said yeah. you like to keep your feelings kind of like to yourself, you know, you hold, hold your cards close. Yeah. So then let's flip it to comedy. Mm hmm. How about in comedy? Do you kind of also do that in your comedy where you, you're not really sharing how you really feel and your real emotions? Um, I mean, <clears throat> that's awkward, right? Because some of the stuff you say for a reaction, but I think a lot of things we do, I mean, no, I, I think honestly with my comedy, it is pretty honest or it's at least things that, I think in comedy, actually I'm more open with feelings and stuff like that because of the context that it's spun. I'm better at like, you know what I mean? Saying some real stuff in a comedic way than I probably am having a conversation with you and actually explaining how I feel. Why? Or like my why? girlfriend, for instance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh so what, where does that, why do you think that is? Um, because it's not personal when you're on stage and you're just saying some stuff to trip some people out. Okay. So do you like to do that on stage? Do you like to like lean into like tripping people out? Yeah. I mean, I really do like, and you have, I think you enjoy this too. And seeing last night <laughs> saying some stuff where a good portion of the room laughs. And then you got this little faction that's like, Ooh, cause you hit a button there. Yes. <laughs> you hit both sides of it. You're like, it is funny, but it is kind of screwed up as well at the same time. Yes. Yes. And, um, oh my goodness. <laughs> that's we're similar in that fashion is that we'll say some wild stuff because I like <laughs> to be in that pocket where it's like funny, but also some people are like, that's a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Exactly. Clint. It's like, I, I love that space personally, but sometimes, you know, just talking with other comedians, I feel like, you know, some know comics are, huh? I know where you're going with this. Oh, okay. Where, where am I going with this? That um, as much as it's fun, you are still getting some negativity from the crowd. And I bet a lot of comedians can't handle that because they want just the whole crowd to be like, yeah. They don't want to take the chance that they're going to piss some people off. Yes. And we kind of like to walk that line of like really like that's my thing. It needs to be smart enough or like well put together enough where it's going to be funny and shock them at the same time. I'm not just trying to say stuff so that everybody in the room goes, yes. you know, <laughs> but I think a lot of comedians don't even like anybody in the room having an issue with them. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. That's where I was going to go because you do, I do talk with comedians and like some comics, they're, I feel like they're very much of the vein of like, again, being a good time 
for lack of better term, I'm going to use the traditional clown, you know, like, I'm here, right. like, we're fun and we're going to yuck it up. And that's for them, you know, and it's like, I think a lot of their comedy is outward as well with the connection, which is a beautiful thing. But it's also there's other ways. And I think, like you said, we kind of approach it. Like, I know I enjoy that very much. And yeah. for me, comedy is more so for me about like, again, my own vulnerability, like for most, most of my life, you know, conditioned to be a nice person, a nice lady, all this bullshit. So now to be like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to make your butthole so tight. And like you said, I'm not just doing it like to do it. Like your point, right? Yeah. I'm trying to do something bigger with it. So I know why I do it, but what about why you do it? I mean, I don't know. I like to make people, I, honestly, um, for a, I've had the same sense of humor for a long time and being uh, like, so I rode dirt bikes and we were always in big groups of a bunch of dudes. And I would even found that a long time ago, I would say some wild shit that people wouldn't expect because also I think it leans into my personality where I am quiet. I don't say a lot. And then all of a sudden I'll just slip something in and you're like, what the, you know, and I've always done that. So it's honestly, once I convinced myself, I was a comedian. I was like, I've been doing this for a long time. Even the way a lot of the jokes that I have, or a lot of things I say are thoughts that I've had for a long time. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I, I think that's just been my like personality as far as like um, jokes and stuff anyway, just trying to shock people. And I think, I don't know if it ties into vulnerability really that necessarily. Um, I think, I don't even know that I get into that many vulnerable jokes, honestly. Like I'm not a big, right? Like you listen to my stuff. It's not like necessarily personal. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're taking the idea of vulnerability as being personal, things that you're sharing personally, that's one element. And yeah. another way I think of vulnerability is in terms of sharing jokes that you know are going to like certain keywords. Like for me, yeah. I know damn well when I do abortion jokes, I'm leaving yeah. myself vulnerable right. in the sense that people don't like that. You know, it's a very triggering word. Yep. So it's like I have a potential to lose everybody, you know. Yeah. Well, and you saw my set, I have that about when I was a kid, which is actually my like premiere, like stuff I'm working on at the, at this point. Yes. There's a lot of hot buttons in there and just being like 25 years ago, it wasn't like this. And that one kind of <clears throat> touches on <clears throat> hot buttons. Um, and yeah, I do feel when I do that set now, especially because one is talking about uh, there being a spectrum. And when I was young, there wasn't a spectrum. Oh, you're yeah. either retarded or you weren't. Right. That's, and I was one of those kids. So I got sent before there was a spectrum or any of this. I got sent to like all the psychiatrists in school trying to figure out why I wasn't, I could talk and I'm obviously, you know, articulate when I talk and then on paper, I'm not really very good. So in my era, they were still trying to figure out exactly what was going on and they hadn't, didn't have all these classifications. Yeah. So, I mean, the joke does open me up, but it is the truth. And that's how I was treated. Like I was in lower classes and I would always be taken out of classes and go to, you know what I mean? The psychiatrist to talk to them. Nobody else in class was doing that. So like that is, I feel like I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, but it does no matter how you feel. And I am shooting that from my personal experience. Mm -hmm. You're still opening yourself up for other people to just be like, you can't use the word at all, you know? So I think, you know, and I'm loving that you're bringing this up because I think there's like, for me, like a lot of things I'm thinking about, like one, because you and I are similar ages. So we grew up of the same era. So I very much understand and see this transition. It's like, okay, we're living in a world now that we have far greater understanding of things, right? And in addition, we have far greater access to information. So it's like, obviously things are evolving. So it's like, recognizing like the idea of cancel culture. I feel like now it's people don't put things into the context of time. 
You know, yeah. and it's saying like, you're, you're disregarding my experience and my truth because you're triggered collectively by what we're propelling forward. You know, right. you're missing the ultimate message of like looking at this, like, this is what we did and this is what your experience was. And that very much shaped you. Right. So it's like, right. this is where, you know what I mean? Like I get, I get frustrated personally again with this idea of cancel culture, because it's like, you're then disregarding the entire life experience set in a social, certain social context of time. And you're going right. to eradicate that because of where we are now. Yeah. Well, that's the slippery slope of uh, just, all of society, right? As you go down, as, as we continue down this trend, everybody becomes a monster in the past, right? Because now all of a sudden this is not okay anymore. And forever, that's just what it was, you know? And it's like, was it right at that time? No, but you and I know that if something's socially acceptable, then people just accept it. And you're like, Okay, cool. Like weed, let's do that. You know, mm -hmm. whatever, five, 10 years ago, it was illegal. And everybody, let's go further than that. 20 years ago, super illegal everywhere. If you did drugs, you know, you were some kind of maniac. Yeah. And now there's, you know, you can just go and buy a medical it script. You can get yeah. a medical prescription for it. It's like, yeah. You know, it's like, again, yeah, you're bringing up a good point, because especially too, when you're looking at, again, the context of drug, cocaine was prescribed as a drug for a long time. You know, yeah. look at our drug problem in America lies with opioids, which are prescriptions. So it's like looking at things like you, in my opinion, it's like, you can't look at things black and white. There can't just be like, yes, no. And that's why I don't like this idea of cancel culture the term because then what you're doing is you're not giving out people the opportunity to share what their truth is why their truth is their truth and how to learn from their truth to fit into the greater the greater part of evolving society well as much as a, a society is evolving i think people are also devolving to an extent because of the ability to spout out of their mouth whatever they think at the time without knowing the person's personal experiences yes right you know it's like well that may it doesn't matter what your experience was with it it's how those words make me feel and it only almost becomes like not even what you mean anymore if somebody's just offended by that word no matter how the context that you said it or whatever like will it get so bad that you know in um Chinese, I don't know if it's Mandarin or whatever, they got chiga and niga. It's like here and there. Mm -hmm. Like, are we going to get to the point where people are mad because Chinese people use those words? And we're like, that's not, they're like, that's not even what it means. But they're like, you said that word. You know, like that's seems ridiculous. But yeah, yeah the hyperbole of what, yes. You just said the word, even though that's not what it means in your language. That's what it means to me. So now I'm mad about it, you know? And um, I mean, we could get there. I don't know. That seems ridiculous, but I, I, mean, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a pushback because of the fact that ultimately, you know what I mean? Like what really matters is people like actions speak louder than words, you know? And it's like, I can know comics. Like there's people I know in comedy that make jokes that I don't like at all, but I like them as people. Yeah. So it's like they're they're kind, they're respectable, like to me, whenever I interact with them. So it's like I that matters, that carries more weight to me is like someone who's demonstrated reliability to me personally in a real way versus having a moment in space and time and saying something and then just completely disregarding the individual. Well, aren't we allowed, you know, that's aren't we allowed to have different thoughts? I like you, I think we, you and I have different opinions on a lot yeah. of things yeah for sure uh, we do. yeah but i, I don't even the rapport, you know yeah but i don't care i like you as a person and you and i could have a conversation about stuff and then just be like i don't agree or whatever yeah. and that's it and that's that that's that subject mm -hmm. right like i think that's the issue it's like if you disagree especially you know they've made hot button issues right vaccinations masks uh race um and it's like you're either on my side or against me mm -hmm. you know and nobody's allowed to have conversations about stuff and that's what they're trying to do so that we can't all get together 
right. and be like, hey, you guys are screwing all of us. Yes. That's exactly to divide is to conquer. And it's like, yeah. you know, thinking about again the emergence of race, you know, like how race was clearly something that was developed for separation, for control, for legislative purposes. So it's like there's truth to that. Of and again, why we're here now and looking at that. But again, like you said, it's like. Now I feel, especially too, because America is rooted in individualism. So now it's like, I feel like we're hypersensitive to the idea of having an identity. Who am I? Like you, oh, I, I'm this person. I do this. And it's like, everybody like wants to be like with social media, like it's like you have this identity that you're trying to perpetuate where it just completely takes away of being present and in the moment. And again, real connections with people. Like you said, we are very different. We have a lot of different views. But I think when we talk, like, again, we have enough respect for each other that it's like, okay, I'm going to listen to what have you, you have to say, because it's like, I, I value what you're thinking. And it's like, maybe you'll share something that will change my perspective, or maybe I'll be able to share something will change your right. perspective. And that's the only way we can keep going <laughs> forward. What good is it for me to just write you off and be like, you're an idiot. I'm never speaking to you. Right. Or you're a libtard. <laughs> that's it. You know, like, but how much of it is them being like the media being like, these people hate you. These people aren't, don't care about your safety. You see how everything's set up like, you know, like they dislike you. They're trying to make us all enemies. And it's like, no, I have a different, like, I don't know. I didn't get vaccinated. I got, uh, well, my girlfriend got sick early on and got tested and had the antibodies. So I'm figuring I either most likely had it or I didn't get it. And I was around her the whole time. So, uh, but, you know, I... Are you mad at me now, Deanna? I did get vaccinated, but my <laughs> perspective was, I mean, like, okay, listen, I've been around, I've smoked Newport cigarettes, okay? So it's like, at that point, I feel like- well, that blocked it, you good job. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I would say when you travel, like if there's certain countries in the world you want to go to, you got to get a shit ton of vaccines. So like, for me, like, Do I'm you? like, huh? Do you? Yeah, you, when I went to Ghana, I had to get yellow fever. I had to get, of course, an updated tetanus shot. Like these were required for me to get in. Oh, you're asking me, do I like in terms of the laws and, you know, really? really yeah, you say I required. Know. I think they're suggested. I went to. Uh, Maybe you're um, right. Yeah. I went to Guyana probably six or seven times. The last time I went, we did a week long safari, drove out through the woods for a week on dirt bikes to the border of Brazil and Guyana and then drove back and I never got shit. I asked the guy, I was like, yo, should I get any of these shots? He goes, nah, brother, don't worry about it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> but I think that's personal choice. It's like all, cause For sure. you get sick and you die. It's on you. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess with COVID it's different cause it was so contagious and that but was this is exactly my point. Uh. Isn't everything isn't are most things contagious like we haven't been you know how many people have died over the last however long of pneumonia why aren't we testing everybody for pneumonia you know how many grandmas have died of pneumonia i don't think pneumonia i think because pneumonia is like a secondary infection from something else like the cold virus and what covid's not have, most people had multiple comorbidities no, the co okay, yeah, comorbidities, you're right. But I'm talking about pneumonia itself. You can't, I can't give you pneumonia. What pneumonia is, is a secondary uh, infection that develops because of the virus. So you would get a cold virus, get the cold, and then the pneumonia would evolve. So, and I think with COVID, what the problem was, is COVID itself was highly, highly contagious compared to the flu virus like you know what i mean when you were looking at the rates of like a flu virus is a one-to-one -one infection but this rate. is all we're getting into stuff too where it's like do we really know what was well, flu? i know and we COVID? honestly we don't because i don't have a doc i'm not a doctor you're not a doctor so here's the like thing even the doctors at the hospitals right yeah. they weren't doing tests they were being told by somebody else this is what's going on and that's who they're listening to yeah it's a really convoluted system you know what i mean and it's like everybody wasn't told everything there's a lot of information on both both ways right. inflated deflated like right and that's even you said earlier about how we're advanced and how all this information is out there's also tons of bad information out too right. so i mean as much as 
But that's true with vaccines. It's the vaccine or the virus. So it's like one, they're both equal. It's just the two sides of the same coin, exactly. you know? So and then they read the the data weird, like you're not vaccinated until two weeks after the vet. Like they've just, like I said, made a lot of things really weird to where it's like, okay. none of us really have any idea what's going on. No. And that's where, I mean, like, again, but I hate you because you believe differently, right? even though I don't really understand what's going on. Exactly. That's the thing. I think we've got to accept our own, like, like I don't know everything. And that's the place I come from. I have opinions about fucking everything, but I know shit about most things. Right. So it's like to accept that, that hu- like humility, like, so I think that's really important. Comedy, let's go back to comedy because I don't want to get sorry. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Thing. I'm like, because I'm over, like, the, it is what it is, what it is. Like, I'm not, I'm like I said, I'm not a doctor. Whatever people decide, I'm going to accept them for what their decisions are. And I don't want to vilify people because that, that was our whole point in yeah. that. We did get off on a tangent, but the whole point was that none of us really ultimately know. And we're taking stands on personal beliefs and then disregarding friends or coworkers or whatever, because of what we've been told is like, they don't care about you or whatever. You know what I mean? There's been these narratives built up and then we dislike each other because of these weird narratives that. I don't know. I'm very open. Like I said, I feel like it's like, I like people and I enjoy it. Cause it's like, people are complicated. Like, just like being on a spectrum humans, we are all a spectrum on everything. You know, yeah. it's like nothing. We're not a hundred percent or zero percent. So it's like, I might like someone 70% and then 30% I don't like, it's like finding yeah. the things. And again, you don't have to like everybody, but it's like having this level of like, organized society but i feel like comedy is um just getting back to comedy and especially to talking about our opinions comedy is a really great way to be able to share your opinions you know like with a wide a wide group of people um but you just have to make it funny you have to make it funny but i think sometimes too what's really hard is when you're working on jokes that you know what you want the message to be but you haven't gotten there so you have to really wade through the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot of hits, a lot of swings and misses and shit. Um, so like, for example, for you, like I know we talked about before, like this idea of a small group of people not liking something. And I think for some comics, their vulnerability lies in this idea of shame, of being cast aside, of not being accepted. Do you have that fear? No. Uh, I, you, I mean... I feel like I'm a little bit, well, we're the same age. Um, so I feel like you understand it as well. But I think that it's like anything, right? Uh, music, some people love it, some people hate it. I don't ever say anymore that like that music sucks. I say that music's not for me. Um, and I've realized that my personality and my uh, stance on things aren't necessarily for everybody as well. Mm-hmm. So um, for people to dislike me or my comedy, I'm like, I'm okay with it. I just realized those aren't my, those aren't my, you know, comedy fans or people. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, you talked about, I, about humility in that. And I have, um, so when I wrote, I had a lot of concussions and since then I've gotten into a lot of microdosing and stuff, um, of like mushrooms and, that stuff kind of dissolves your ego or makes you realize that you're not as bad as you think or as cool as you think. Um, plus even riding, I've gotten hurt a lot. And that, you know, you go from a person that's very active to a person that's kind of like, uh, you know, crippled for a short period of time. And you realize that anything can happen and that everything can be taken away, health, anything and uh you know be grateful for it so i mean i think just a lot of life experiences has made me um just like kind of get rid of my ego a little bit obviously you still have ego and you do want everybody to laugh and you want to you want to share your different opinion so well that those people laugh and understand where you're coming from um of course, but I understand that a lot of people aren't in the aren't in the place to gather what I'm saying and take it in yeah. and process it. 
You sound so yogic right now, uh, Clay. Like, again, everything like you're saying, I'm like, oh my God, that's like for yoga. Like, yeah, to detach and, you know, one lesson. Now everyone's at different levels of consciousness. So once you accept that, it's hard on stage. I'm trying to get there on stage. Like for me, I very much have been fixated on the people who are like, you know, yeah, the faces, like I will, the whole room could be laughing and there could be one mush face in there and I will fixate on mush face and just get in my own head. That's everything, I, right? Huh? You get all these good comments and then somebody's like, you're a bitch. And then you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I will hold on to that. So what about, yeah. what, how, how about for you? Well, so I actually did. Uh, and he's going to be the next show at the Nanellan Theater on the 26th, Mike Morse. Um, he has helped write uh, monologues for Leno and was on Stern and stuff like that. And um, you don't, mo- a lot of people don't know his name just as a comedian, but he's amazing. And I opened the show or I hosted or something and he sat down with me and he was like, you're still worried about people thinking you're funny. And I was like, what? And he goes, you're still worried about everybody thinking you're funny. And he said that he sat down across from, I think it was Stern. And he was there where, you know, it was like a bunch of people and they were going back and forth and he kept slipping in jokes. And Stern was like, you're really funny. And he said, after that point, I never worried about people not thinking I was funny. I would just be like, oh, I'll get them tomorrow night. Like, these aren't my people. I'll get them tomorrow night. And he goes, then once I was there, I was free to be funny because you're not worried. It's like, in competition like racing they would say he's racing to not lose you know not to win and you have to kind of in both scenarios you have to put yourself out there for the chance to get everybody or win you know whatever it is so I mean I think you have to be able to be kind of fearless is basically what that is and be like you know, the other thing I've learned to um, when if crowds don't like me, I learned to decide that they don't like me because I'm white. No, uh, <laughs> it's much easier. No, I uh, always look at it as what did I do wrong? I chose the wrong material. Mm-hmm. I went into the material wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, what didn't I do correctly? Mm-hmm. was my cadence wrong I don't ever look at it as like those people hate me or that yeah. crowd sucked yeah. or like because then somebody else will get up in the room and connect with them and crush yeah. you just didn't connect with them right and so I always put that on to me as like a learning experience of like okay what do I need to do different so I think that probably some of the vulnerability we're talking about you know like when you go home and you did bad and you're really upset and you're like, oh, this sucks. I try and take that energy instead of being really sad and upset and being like, oh, suck. I go, what did I do wrong? Yes. So I try to use that like, like, and it, it was the same thing with riding or competing or anything like that. You let the things that knock you down, instead of being mad at yourself, you gotta take that and be like, I'm gonna, I'm going to grind. I'm going to, you know, like do the things I need to do to make sure that doesn't happen again. I'm going to learn from that and make a plan and, or like spend as much time as I can preparing for it. Here's another thing with, um, you know, being nervous and going on stage and stuff. And it's a trick I learned with riding and it's like, how do you, everybody's nervous before they go on stage and it's like but so say like a week before whatever a day before being nervous obviously doesn't isn't going to help you so whenever I start to get nervous beforehand I go what can I do in this moment to help me be better prepared when the time comes so a lot of times it'll be me driving to work with the music off and going through my set so at least I'm getting reps and I'm going I'm memorizing the set what I want to say and getting my whole jokes in a row. Sometimes you do come up with punchlines because you don't have the pressure of the crowd to be like, pa, 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 pa. So sometimes, but ultimately it's using that time that you would be nervous to be proactive 
So you don't have time to be nervous because you're doing something, you're busying your mind with like learning or progressing. So you're not nervous in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then by the time the thing that you're actually trying to do comes, you feel like you've prepared because anytime you got nervous, you were like, and got brought to mind, you did something proactive to help you be ready for when that time comes. Yes. I love that so much because especially like I personally, you know, I've said this before doing the podcast. I love getting tips from comedians, especially on tangible things that you can put into practice because I find it definitely lessens than the bombing, this the emotional impact of bombing. And like, just thinking like of what you were saying, like Thursday I did a show in Philly and it went horrible, you know, Friday did a show. It was, good and then Saturday I was like oh it was like a middle in between and I was thinking in my head it's like oh well Thursday you know yeah I didn't prepare I didn't adequately you know con connect the bits yeah. um and then I was thinking about like oh Friday I did connect to the audience and then Saturday I was going to talk to you about this there was a joke I said that I was swore to God because it's not hitting lately and I'm like I'm not going to do it I'm not going to do it and I swore on Saturday night I wasn't going to do it. And then I did it. Like, I just found myself. And that's also something I'm really struggling with is being present on stage to where I can slow down enough where I'm not in that space of like, pew, 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 just say jokes, just keep saying jokes because yeah. the silence is still a little uncomfortable for me. So that's one thing I started saying a long time ago. You got to be comfortable in the awkwardness. And I'm not good at it either. So a lot of times, as soon as everybody goes quiet, instead of thinking and preparing, I'm like, blurt something out that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. That's all that happened. That was front of mind. And probably from you going, don't say this. Don't say that joke. Don't say that joke. So then what is the first thing that pops into your head? You're like that joke because you were searching. Yeah. You know, but I would say just, and I have to practice it too, just being comfortable in the awkwardness a little bit. <clears throat> because you know, as I do, that if say it got awkward and you just sat there quietly, eventually people would even laugh at that. Right. Yeah. So it, like the Andy Kaufman, didn't he do like the 15 minutes of silence? Right. Was that? I think I'm sure. I, yeah. I don't remember that, but I, I don't do not put that past him. <laughs> so Definitely. I think, you know, time isn't going as fast as we think it is up there. You get into a position where you're just like you said, adrenaline's going and you're like thinking, oh, it's like when you're high, right? And you're like, I've been here so long. And you're like, it's not really been that long. Like, settle down. That's <laughs> it's like been a half a second. They can chill for yeah. another half a second while you like think of where you, what you want to go into. Yes. I even speaking of that, I'll even rush through people's laughs. You know, like they're laughing and then I'm starting next I joke. Know. And I'm like, what are you doing? Ride that out. Yeah, you can't. That's the tip I got a, years ago. Um, don't step on the laughs. And that's so, again, it's that's what really we're aiming hard. for. Yep. And then we're like. <laughs> well, then also, too, I remember getting different advice. Like, I remember someone telling me, like, very mathematically, like, you're supposed to get a laugh every 15 seconds. So it's like. You know what I mean? Like that was like something else that like when I was like starting out, like trying to be like, oh, how, you know what I mean? Trying to get that cadence. Yeah. I don't think again, like now at this point, I've kind of let that go because it's like, I know ultimately what I want. do that? Huh? 15 seconds? Every 15 that's like, that's like, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. It, it's like a punchline guy. You know what I mean? Like you'd have to have such short jokes. Yeah, you, I, I mean, your jokes got to be 10 seconds long. I don't know. I guess they would say like the, the person that said this, they would be like, look at your set and rewrite it to where you can get a punch in, you know, to play on words to get a laugh. So it was like trying to do that. Like, again, I personally, like, again, I don't find that to be one realistic Two, I don't really want to win. I don't enjoy that because I know what I want my stuff to be. And it's like, some of this stuff is going to take longer to set up and longer to explain. And it's like, I, and also I think it was, was it, maybe it was Chappelle. He was saying like, you don't always have to be funny, but be interesting, which I think also has a lot of weight to it as well, because you yeah. know, you're sharing your perspective, your life story, like, you know, how you shared again, like, listen, you had a learning disability. We didn't have what we called learning disabilities. Every We had this generic term that became, again, it, it's, a, and again, what I get frustrated by is taking out the word retarded because it's a very specific action. Like I always say, Anthony Weiner, he retarded himself, you know, like, 
He was married, sending dick pics to a teenager, not once, but twice. Like, what other word would you use to describe that action? And all it means is slow down. Yeah. So there's a... in on like timing of motorcycles you can advance the timing yeah or you can retard it yes but we're canceled right now because I just, could, you're not a, saying that word and i could feel like again like now my butthole is tight and i'm going to be like clint i want to re- record the episode and not put this one out but we talked about yeah. this before. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like it's just like it, it, what i was saying before just being mad at the word you know, somebody being like, we need to retard the timing. And they're like, oh, my God. And you and you're like, but this is not even it's a totally different context. Yeah. It's so again, it's just I don't know. It's like it's strange to me because, again, it's like this idea of just not especially what comedy was like, I think, too, because you brought up age like that. We're you know, again, we both talk about how we're similar age. So I wanted to talk about does that factor into our senses of humor is our age and our, our cultural experiences yeah yeah do you think it impacts do you not think of- that most of the and obviously it's area um reflective as well you know because i think that people probably our age in down south are probably a little bit different or maybe the younger kids are a little bit different but do you not think that most of the younger comedians are like woke comedians. There's a very small faction of people that are really like Ryan Long or like, you know what I mean? Pushing back like that. A lot of the younger kids, especially in like the local scene or like Brooklyn uh, and a lot in the, a lot of scenes in New York, like they're very woke type of mm-hmm. comedy. That term bothers. I'm triggered by Me that too. word. It's not even grammatically correct, okay? I know. Like you could be well, awake. <laughs> it's just like everything else. That's what happening because being awake is different, right? People that are awake are like spiritually awake. Yeah. So all they did is just like every single thing that starts out good that gets hijacked, like uh everything. I'll just piss people off by mentioning stuff. But like everything gets hijacked and then goes some certain way. So that's all they did. They emulated people that are awake they made awake being uh like foo-foo you know like stuff and then now they have woke but i find there's such a pretentious element to that word because first of all you can't fucking know everything if you are truly awakened you recognize how little you know and how much there is to learn and how much you strive to know more this term woke implies to me like I'm done. I know. And it also disregards the fact that we didn't grow up with the goddamn internet. We did not grow up with everybody getting a participation trophy. You know, we grow, it was, and that impacted us and our senses of humor because sense of humor is rooted in survival. So it's like, I find that, you know, again, navigating this waters of being a certain age, having certain life experiences, but then set to the context of where we are now and these woke people. Well, and all these, all the, like the gender deal, like misgendering people. I grew up with two genders, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if I don't know that you're a, a I don't even know what they are. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know what the genders are. So how are you going to get mad at me for not calling you a gender that I don't even know exists? Right. Like, this sounds like a trap. It it kind of, there's so many elements because it's like, I first learned about um, gender binary and sex binary. Because like, first of all, you look at gender, sex, sex is biological, gender is a social construct. Technically, there are five sexes, right? Because people are born a lot of times with male testes and female parts. It happens way more frequently than we think about. So it's like, okay, that's fine. So it's like, and I think about too, like in my own life experience, like, oh, there's certain gender fluid people. They weren't gender fluid. We didn't have that term, but I'm like, I remember in high school, there was someone that was like, androgynous or androgynous. whatever i remember in college there was someone who was I, I don't know what they're i don't want to define them but this person presented to society um you know as a gentleman but was female and i remember you know asked me out and i was like oh thank you so much you know 
And at that point, my answer, because I was like 19 years old and having no idea, I'm like, I tend, I prefer to date guys. And her, this person's response was like, well, I, I am a guy. So that was like my first real experience with someone who was right transitioning but we didn't have words for it it wasn't common so it's like you had to kind of break those and now we're here but like you said it's like I had to have these life experiences because it wasn't something because again going back having these gender roles it's good to again divide and conquer it helps keep people separated helps keep people controlled it helps make money because then if you make me feel like shit because of this or that and you know like not a good woman or I don't look right etc etc like it's so complicated because we're living in a society so yeah but ultimately I mean I think a lot of it's the ego again right like people being like you should know what my gender is or my preferred pronoun or whatever the thing is they're mad about and just be like some people don't understand just like we're talking about comedy some people will not grasp where I'm coming from some people will you know what I mean some people won't understand that you transitioned or this is how you feel or whatever and you can't take the stuff that like if if you took the people that disliked you or went when you said some stuff and then really took them to heart and then was like got so distraught and depressed about it you know what I mean like you can't do that you have to go okay they like you kind of have to give people leeway right because of where they're at you know right Right, right. Uh, there's a saying I know in one of the I don't remember what book it was I actually did read a book it was like self-help type of stuff but it's like you can't ever be mad at yourself for uh, your actions because you did the best you could with the knowledge you had at the time. Right. So it's like, if you're unaware of something, you're unaware of something. As soon as it gets brought to light and now boom, it's simple because you get it and you know it. But before you knew that, which it's weird because knowledge, once you know something, then you know it and it's like, oh, duh. But before you knew that, that's where you were at. You know, and a lot of people are not at the place where they're going to process what you're saying or be open minded enough to be like, yeah, I, I will at least listen and try and put myself in your place and think about how that must make you, you know, feel or, you know, or being mad at somebody for not calling you the right thing. Just go like, oh, they don't know. Right. You know, instead of being like, I'm so upset that they didn't call me the right thing. They're not even aware. Well, especially too, I think because being of certain ages too, like, again, we didn't have access to the information that is available now and the community that can evolve and, you know, the connections that people make. It's like, we've all been conditioned, you know what I mean? Like being a guy, like being, uh, growing up, like I wouldn't want to grow up as a guy like it's hard on both you know the kid being a male or a female like being a young guy like you know you're socialized to be at certain things you know and that's just you know so it's like giving people like because I think that's a lot of times what people are triggered when they're triggered they're thinking about their own personal experiences so it was yeah. like you know what I mean like say for example you know you miss gender someone it's like you're not doing that intentionally because it's like again thinking about this person and it's like what was their experiences like shaping them to fit into the gender binary you know I remember having like guy friends and their dads were just so hard on them and it's like the shit they would do when they couldn't cry and like show emotion and it's like that's you know what I mean like having to be up like that it's pressure You you don't fit that I'm glad that you brought this up, but like everybody tries to paint the world from the lens of like, I have it worse. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people do, you know, they're like, oh, well, but I had, you know, think about somebody that gets hurt, you know, and then they're like, well, I broke this and that's the most painful thing or tattoos. Even I got it in the most painful spot. Have you gotten tattooed everywhere? Like it's different for everyone. Yeah. And I always say like the hardest thing to deal with is whatever anybody dealt with personally, because everybody goes, how many times have you heard somebody say the things I've dealt with other people, nobody else would have survived. And I'm like, I don't know about that. So I think that I don't like to try and do the compare game 
with any of that. You just had a different experience than me. Yeah. I've been through stuff um, that sucked. Am I saying it's worse than anything that you went through? No, because I have no idea. All I know is that for me, it sucked. Yeah. You know, so like, I'm just going to say I've been struggled as well, but that doesn't necessarily mean to say that, which I feel like people get into this, that my struggle is worse than yours. No. Well, people too are different. Like for me, like I'm not a strong person. Like that's not, that's not a quality that I was blessed with. You know, I'm very emotional. I'm very, I'm very much a crier. I cry really easily. So it's like, I feel grateful that I was again, uh, born and conditioned a woman. I mean, I'm glad now that again, they're breaking gender binaries. Cause like I said, for me, I always think about empathy. Like it's like how hard it must be. And it's like, again, I remember like the first noble truth of Buddhism, they say is to live is to suffer. And it's like, we're all going to suffer. And certain people have greater levels of strength. Some people are weaker than others. And it's like, the bottom line is you have to go inward. It's like, how do you feel about yourself? And that's what's valuable and really kind of acknowledging, shutting out all the outside noise that tells you how to feel. See, I would disagree with you to an extent. I don't think that you're necessarily a weak person just because I even feel like doing the comedy. A lot of people, that's hard. Like we've talked about having people reject you and not laugh at you and stuff. And uh, weak people will give that up very quickly. Um, and I think that you're looking at it, at it through a lens of like, once again, your own experience, you're around yourself all the time. And you're like, I cry a lot and I do this and I do that. I get upset and I get down on myself about stuff. And like the difference is you don't see that because you're not around or I do a good job of just being the same person kind of all the time, no matter what's really going on. And I've never seen you really be super upset or anything. So it's not like we're just at Mike's and you're crying there because <laughs> like somebody didn't laugh at something. You know what I mean? Like we all go through part. I, I, get, I wait till I get to the car. I wait till I get exactly. To the car. Well, at least you hide it. Yeah. But <laughs> that's my point is, you know, like we all deal with stuff like that and being like, I fucked up or why doesn't that person like me or why didn't I get on that show or you know what I mean? Like, how come that person's on that thing? Why didn't I get on it? Like, this is all things that we all deal with. And it's, you just got to go, it is what it is. And we're just going to stay on our own path. You know, nobody else's, these are all, I always tie stuff back to riding because that's most of my life experiences. Uh, but like, nobody else's timeline should affect yours. Some people have different timelines and they're going to get into comedy and something's going to happen and they're going to, go further faster and that doesn't mean you're not going to get there it has nothing to do with your journey at all right you know so, so you just go uh I'm happy for them and I see that it now can happen with people around me or whatever and I'm just going to keep doing what I need to do until you know some opportunity presents itself and I am good enough to take advantage of the opportunity yeah no and I think too especially like I love it because it's like the journey itself is so beautiful like Comedy alone, like for me, again, every single time you go up, there's a lesson to be learned. And it's like, even in the bombs, like having every time you have- a You learn bomb, more in bombs. Uh, you learn way more in bombs. You're so right. And it's like, like for you, what is something you learned from the bomb? Like I said, to analyze- Oh yeah, you talked about the, the outline. crowd the and yeah. try to figure out like how, what type of jokes- you know, yeah. now that I think about it, a lot of it is like um, reading. It's funny. I can't think of what a uh, reading the crowd is like being, uh, you know, like super judgmental. You need profiling. To be there. It's profiling. <laughs> exactly. You're like, OK, these people are uh, 50 year old white people. I'm not going to just open with drug stuff. I know. <laughs> you know how funny that is? It's like we're trying to get rid of all that. And then. It still is, in many contexts, useful to try to figure out how you need to connect to a crowd, unfortunately. Right. Well, what about your, because um, I feel like the aesthetic, too, because I mean, for me, like a big, I didn't start comedy till really late in life. And I think part of it for me was, again, the physical vulnerability of just being on stage and having people critique me and how I looked. And, you know, that was just like a really uncomfortable space to kind of be in. So do you think that your physicality plays into your, your ability to connect to the audience? 
Um, I think it hurts my ability to connect for some reason. Oh, so really? as far as being in front of people, I don't really have an issue because I rode in front of people for so long. And then even when I would get hurt, I would announce my own shows. So I got kind of used as a kid or as younger being in front of crowds with a helmet on and stuff. So I got used to being there. And then eventually, like I said, I do interviews and stuff. And then I kind of got used to just talking on the mic. So by the time I transitioned into um, comedy, I was kind of used to being in front of people and being on a mic. Uh -huh. Um Sorry, the dogs are drinking water. Can you hear that? It was very distracting. What was the original question? I was talking about the physicality, like again, oh. like does the, you think that translates in terms oh. of connecting to the audience? Like, of how okay, yeah, I think it's, I think being, especially right now, and even I'm talking, I work with uh, Aaron Berg producing his um, Patreon, mm -hmm. and he's like, so he's getting in shape for a bodybuilding contest, and he goes, I'm way less likable now because he's getting into shape and I don't know what it is but it is like and I even noticed this before I ever talked to him or whatever but I have to actually Jesse Montanez brought up he goes you need he goes you look kind of intimidating in the way that you carry yourself and he goes you need to like make fun of yourself right off of the bat so that you're more likable yeah and that's where the I'm a remedial kid joke came from because oh. it was a way to kind of shit on myself a little bit. Yes. And if I don't do that, if I don't make fun of myself or talk to the crowd, I have a hard time. Mm -hmm. If I go up and just go straight, straight um, material, yeah. I have a hard time. I have to like interact with people a little bit or make fun of myself. Yeah. Otherwise, like people just dislike me right off of the, or like, and it's weird. Women do mostly. I feel like women just right off of the bat, because I'll start telling jokes and they're just like, I, I get it a lot from women. They're just like mad for some reason. I'm like, I don't understand why you seem so angry. I haven't even done anything yet. But there, it's just like, but but if I kind of either sometimes I'll talk to them to just be like, ask or I'll just uh like I said, you know, be self-deprecating and that kind of like softens people. But I think for some reason I come off as being like, like I said, about being quiet. I think that comes off as arrogance uh, a lot of times. Yeah. It's interesting again, because like so much of comedy again is like, like other things that are beyond to some extent our control. Another comic I remember I talked with, she, it was a woman and she was saying how she doesn't dress very sexy she kind of dresses down because she said that it impacts how people perceive her so it's like you know I try not too much to dive in um because I feel like it's a slippery slope when you start talking about physicality for people yeah. and stuff like that but especially too because you don't know what people are thinking like it's not like we have the audience here like that would be so fun I think afterward is to interview like uh please write your how do you think of me as soon as I get up on stage like just comments like, who do you think I am before my set? I feel yeah. like that would be so valuable. Actually, like, is that a funny show idea? Like you yeah, have everybody. I, if write, you can do that, please do. Because for me, write, I, I write down like what they think you're going to be. Like have yes, a lineup yes. and be like, write down what you think this person's comedy is going to be or what they're going to be like. Before, and then, yes. Or will they be, or like even a, will they be good or won't they be good? Just oh. based on. Love. I would want to know personally, because I always question, like, I have my thoughts of how I think people perceive me, you know, and then it's like, but then sometimes people will say things and it's like, that's, it's totally not what I think. And it right. throws me for a loop. I'm like, that's how you see me, you know? So for me, I think it would be helpful to really understand of how I am viewed without what I'm saying, just based on how I look. I would love to know that. I don't want to cater to them. Screw them. No, it's not for me. I don't know. For me, it wouldn't be catering. I think it would just be like, I think a valuable, especially too, because some jokes I do, like I remember one time this- You'll end up wearing a silly hat and like some big shoes or something. And they'll be like, now this is a comedian. We love this. No, I'm not. No, no, no. But I just remember one time I had, because I do a lot of like 
self-deprecating humor because I love it. You know what I mean? I love Joan Rivers, you know, like that stuff to me, especially too. I feel like if I self-deprecate, then I can self-deprecate on everybody. You know, I'm deprecating everywhere. But I remember somebody told me, they're like, you know, you shouldn't do self-deprecating comedy. People don't believe it. And I was like, what the hell kind of like, and I was so like stuck on that because I'm like, what does that mean? What did they look like? like a regular person nothing <laughs> i don't want to give too much away you know what you're listening right now well they I have this think... horrible face tattoo <laughs> <laughs> um you know that's a that's a um i see again i look at that more as like a them issue yeah okay yes yes you know because like how do they know how you feel about yourself you know what I mean? They're, they're looking at it through their lens or their little pocket and they're going, you know, like whatever. She's always happy. She's a good comedian. She's this. You know what I mean? Whereas where you were saying, I'm very weak. I cry all the time. I this and that. And that's how you see yourself. And then they see you as something totally different because they don't know the truth either. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you got to look at it as like, I think a lot of times when people talk about other people, they really honestly don't even know them and they just go off on what they're yeah. a couple of sound bites or like what they look like. Well, that's what, yeah. When you're triggered by something, like if someone says something and it's nothing to do with them, it's what's it, what's it mean for you. And that's kind of like, that's why too, I'm trying to figure out if you say something that upsets me, it's like, okay, well, why is this really upsetting me? You know, like, let me figure this out. So right. Clint, I just want to say, this has been such a great conversation. I love talking with you. Uh, I feel like we really, yeah, I'm super nervous. My butthole's really tight about this episode. So I'm like, maybe we'll re-record it. (laughs) No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. We won't. Clint and I don't give a fuck. We're going to just put it out there. So I'm going to be vulnerable on this one. Oh, I'm super vulnerable. (laughs) It's very, I know. I said words you can't say. We're a mess. Um, Even in other languages, we say (laughs) words you can't say. Oh my God. <gasps> oh, that'll be clipped a- out and they'll be like see oh my goodness we've canceled ourselves already oh well but then we at least at that point there's a nice space then at that point you're like i don't give a fuck anymore and it's like freeing it's like i'm at just this gonna point, have fun listen you can't what are you going to cancel me from i don't have anything you right. could only help me right yeah you can only cancel like people have said you can only like if you have something to lose and you you know, yeah. if you have no, and even at that point, it's like, why do it? I feel like that's really the crux of this. Like, it's like you could be doing comedy for social accolades and fame, or you could be doing comedy for other reasons. Like, you know, like for me, like I like to do comedy because I want to be able to say things about the shit that are fucked up. That's yeah. why. So it's like, I'm going to keep triggering people because I'm annoyed at this. And this you is sound like I a threat. It. You sound like a threat to society, honestly. <laughs> Trying to break norms and open people's eyes. This is not good. The social credit score just plummeted. Plummet. Sorry, guys. Oh. <laughs> we'll be seeing Deanna at the bank. <laughs> no, you won't. Exactly. Listen, I realized, dude, my, my investment for my retirement is beans, okay? I have thousands of pounds of dried beans because the apocalypse is coming and uh, money's not Why did real. you choose beans? dry because they last forever and okay. when you know you can't get shit at the store anymore and you know we're, you can go out to the forest i'm not a good at, at foraging i gotta link up you gotta make sure you i'm not i would just shoot animals what if you don't have any bullets and we're gonna jump out of trees on their backs oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay good we got a plan we are ready for, and then, then at, at nighttime we'll gather around the fire and we'll tell jokes there you go. Oh, well, we get ready to jump out of trees the next. This morning. sounds like a thousand years ago. This is going to be like ten years from now. So, <laughs> well, we're going back in time. Okay. Essentially, yeah, yeah, we probably are. You know, when shit dries up, we'll go back to surviving hunters and gatherers. But I do me a favor, plug your social media for everybody one more time. Uh, live stream comedy um, on the socials on Instagram. And uh, also livestreamcomedy.com. And then personally, just Clint Esposito on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and I think whatever. Look, I may be on other stuff. And what about uh, shows? Any shows you want to plug for us coming up? Um, Well, check out uh, 
Well, so I'm going to Chicago this next weekend with Comedians of the Compound, but um, back in New Jersey, I have the 26th of February at the Denellen Theater, and um, then we have a, uh, I don't know, I don't remember all the dates. Check out livestreamcomedy.com. I'll have the dates up on there. Or uh, the follow Instagram and I'll post the posters. Awesome. And I'll make sure to tag you on when I release the episode. And so everybody could find it, you know, go see some butthole clenching comedy and realize yeah. it's like, again, I think we really did a good job of kind of like explaining from the place. Like, it's not just about like, you know, there's a reason, there's reasons behind this, you know, we're sure. And it's got to be funny. Yes. And that's why I don't tackle a lot of issues because I'm like, I'm not good enough to really articulate that well enough to where it's not going to be just totally offensive to some people. It's going to take time. And that's the thing. Like I think about how many jokes I've said and I'm bits I'm working on that. I'm like, I know where I want it to be, but it's not there yet. And it's like, how many things that I've said, like I, there's this, uh, Oh, I just know there's information out there. That's like one phrase that I said, trying to get to a certain end. <laughs> Like, you can't worry about that that this stuff is all gonna blow over anyway yeah i think you so. know it's like the mandates right everybody for a while had to be vaccinated to get into places and now it's like going back to whatever and this shit well everything's in circles right and it eventually will circle back around to where nobody they're not hunting through your old podcast to try and come up with inflammatory comments to cancel you but someone else brought this point up which was so relevant that person then has an existence because they're writing about or blowing that person. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like cancel culture benefits other people as well, because now I can write an article about what you said and how yeah. should be canceled. You know what I mean? But I again, they're all it. just negative people, right? This is all negative shit. Yeah. Canceling is the most negative thing I've ever heard. It really like, is. I'm going to search negatively for stuff that they said that I can misconstrue into painting them as some kind of horrible person. Those people, anybody out there trying to actively cancel people, I'm sorry for what has happened in your life. Okay. I'm sorry that you feel this way. And I think that you need to look inside yourself and be like, why am I so miserable and want to just shut people up? And why am I so offended? Yep. I love that. That's so great. Thank you so much, Clint, though, for being our guest today on Comedians Exposed. Uh, can't wait to see you again, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Great job last night. Uh, you too.